Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 42 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt Jane. and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Uh, I'm alright, man. It's, uh, it's very humid. Very humid here. Very which humid. Which is not... Yeah. Which is thank- not awesome. Thankfully, at least over by me, it's no longer hot, but it's like yeah, no, it 75 is, yeah. and humid, which is about as no, hot as it can be without humid being very bad. Yeah, it's definitely cooling off. Now, listen, everybody who knows me, I would say, or listens to this show knows that I am a huge, uh, huge booster for Cleveland. Love it here. The Absolutely. one thing I will say, yeah, the one thing I will say is that big parts of what are now Cleveland historically were part of a geographical feature called the Great Black Swamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does get, it can get humid. It can get a little muggy. I would say. It can get muggy. But aside from that, I'm good, man. Right on, right on. Uh, you know what else is good, Dave? It's a Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. We're watching an episode today. It's episode 42 called Lose Them, The Evil Pursuers. But of course, before we get into that, it's a that, good Dave, episode. It's a good episode. Uh, but before we yeah, can talk extreme, about it. <laughs> extremely good. Uh, before we can talk about it, Dave, of course, we have our officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? First star of the week, Matt, is I'm on Summer Break. Nice. Which is cool. It is. It's very, very nice. It's very nice. I did. I want to put this as a little bit of a PSA. I've started to change my nomenclature, or although, or my or my phrasing, I guess, around summer break, which is I am part of. I am currently in the middle of my annual uh, layoff. Just to be just so everybody's clear, I don't get paid for this time. mm Hmm. I just, no, I just want to, people, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, teachers on, you know, break all summer. That's true. I don't get paid for this. This is just, I'm like, it's, I'm a contract employee. So I am technically like employed in a sense. Like Mm -hmm. I can't claim unemployment for summer. There's like clauses in unemployment law about like, all right, listen, we know that you're not working right now, but like you have a reasonable expectation that you're going to be reemployed, you know, but, um, yeah, this is, this is just downtime for me. Like I could, I could go get another job. I'm not going to, I could go get another job, but I'm not, I don't get paid for summer break, but I am on summer break now and, uh, I am enjoying it, which is very nice. I did. So once a week during the summer. I checked my email mm-hmm. just in case. There's Honestly, some... overkill. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, like I got it on my phone, right? So like I pull it up and uh, that honestly partly is to just like get rid of all the spam so that I'm not rolling into like five or eight, nine hundred spam messages when I get back on this. Fair, uh, fall. fair. Yeah, but so I like log in once a week, just to like you know, in case there's something that I you know that is important, um, whatever. And I did get an alert from Google Classroom that a student just now, like today, 
literally earlier today, Wednesday, school has been out for almost a week, turned in their research essay that was due like the last the last day of school. I, you and know, Dave, I, I was going to say, say better late than never, but I'm not actually sure that's true in this case. Yeah, well, it's it's indifferent late than never. It's not better or worse. It doesn't matter. Um, I did have one. This happened, I think, two years ago. I had a parent email me. I think it was like the either it was either the end of June or the end of July. But to ask, like, if I was going to go back and grade their their kids' work that they had turned in late. It, and I, again, I do think it was the, I think it was like the end of July. And I just, like, I didn't even email back. I was just like, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, right. lady, the school year's been over. The school year's over, man. Like, it's over when it's over. I did, so... <laughs> It's like so I, know, so, I know I um, lost to the baseball game, but I went to batting practice later, and I feel like I had some good hits in. I did. I, I scored a home run afterwards, and I think that should count. I did have – so um, my kid can have something called an individual education plan for, you know, a special need or something sure, like that. Sure, any number of reasons. And it just says, okay, yeah, any number of reasons – and um, it's great because it's a tool we can use to, like, you know, help help keep things um, equitable for kids that need help. That's fine. And um, a really common accommodation that kids will have on an IEP is that they get extra time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, it takes, you know, uh, little Johnny, he gets time and a half. So if the kids had a week to do the assignment, he gets a week and a half. Totally fine. Great. Happy to do it. Um, and it was, like, towards the end of the school year. Right. There were like three or four weeks left of the school year. And this kid, his mother, his mother was a is an attorney who specialized in like um, like specifically education law. Like that was her field. Right. And the kid like hadn't turned anything. He was bombing all of his classes because like nothing was turned in. Right. And so she turns to us. So we're all in this meeting and she turns to us and she's like, well, has he been getting his his time and a half? Like, has he been getting his extra time? And and I just, like, I was so, like, flabbergasted that I looked at the lady and I was like, well, yes, but, like, that doesn't, that doesn't, like, generate time. Like, the school year is still over when it's over. Like, I, <laughs> like, I... Like, an IEP doesn't manipulate the fabric of space-time. It's not a TARDIS, lady. It just means that, like, a kid has leeway. It was, right. like the, it was one of the craziest things I had ever heard in a meeting. Um, but, yeah, so I... Um, did I violate any laws telling that story? I think if I had identified the kids, I could get in big trouble. But, anyways. Um, so... So yeah, school year's over, and I am just, um, I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I took the kids to IKEA yesterday. We nice, just went nice. down by ourselves. They were extraordinarily good. IKEA was like dead, which was awesome. Yeah. I mean, okay, we we're gonna talk about IKEA in a later star. So maybe, uh, maybe keep your powder dry on that one. Okay, well, I'll back up off IKEA. I just love IKEA. Anyways, man, that's the first star of the week. I'm just, um, I'm chilling. I'm chilling cool, in man. summer. I'm not chilling. It's very warm and humid, but I am enjoying my break so far. So what is our what is our second star of the week? Man, our second star of the week is it so frequently is these days. It's Bun Vulcan.
Welcome to Bun Vulcan. So I have I actually have two Bun Vulcans. Well, I mean, it's one segment, I guess, but I have two things. Sure. So the first thing is that I made maybe the best chocolate cake I've ever made. Really? Yeah. It was, I, it was the, uh, I, it was the last week of school, and I was like, oh, see, I, this was last week. Last week was the last week of school. Mom and Dad weren't helping you at the house. That's why we didn't have an episode. It yeah. was just like a crazy week. So anyways, I was like, it's the last week of school. Like, let me bring in, like, I'll make something to bring in, right? Because I'm trying to not have cake around my house, but I do still like to make cakes and, sure. and other stuff. So I was like, this is great. I'll make a thing and I'll bring it in. And I used uh, Claire Saffitz's from Dessert Person. I used her recipe for chocolate cake. And also, she has a great recipe for chocolate French buttercream. And I had never made French buttercream before. Yeah. And her version of French buttercream is, there's no cocoa in it. You just melt chocolate and then basically pour cooled off but still liquid chocolate into French buttercream. Uh, The French buttercream turned out great. French buttercream. Yeah, French buttercream, um, if you're curious, is you basically, you um, you whip whole eggs, and then you stream sugar syrup into that, and it kind of fluffs up. And it doesn't make a meringue, because it has yolk in it, but it does fluff up quite a bit. And then you put room temperature butter into, and, into that, and it makes, it's basically like a sweet, eggy, solidy, buttery thing. It's amazing, and then you just put chocolate in it. One change I did make, she calls for semi-sweet, and I used dark. Okay. And then I made a dark, yeah, then I made a dark chocolate mousse from Jackie Pfeiffer's book to put in between the layers of the cake. Um, so it wasn't super sweet because I used dark chocolate instead of, instead of semi-sweet, uh-huh. but it was like intensely, intensely chocolatey, not too sweet, great texture. The mousse was awesome. And uh, the chocolate or the, the chocolate buttercream was a, was a triumph. I felt amazing about it. That sounds awesome, dude. So that's my first, yeah, that's my first Bun Vulcan. Now, lest I be accused of simply uh, bragging about strength under strength, I made another cake, and it was the worst cake I've ever made. <laughs> so here was the idea behind this cake. <laughs> here was the idea behind this cake. Uh, brown it was butter, supposed to of be course, good. Is like, it was supposed to be good. That was the idea behind it. Um, it's a good idea. You know brown butter, of course. Is sure. where you saute butter and you kind of cook the milk solid. So you get this sort of like toffee-ish, um, toffee-ish, nutty. Uh, it's incredible. Brown butter is super delicious. Uh, you may also hear it called bernoisette, which is the French term for it. Sure, and then I read an article a while ago about, about um, toasting sugar, right? Sure. What you can do is you like, yeah, you roast sugar at like 300 degrees so it doesn't liquefy. But it does undergo like a chemical change and you get a sort of like caramely, toasty. It's not quite as sweet. The flavor is a little bit rounder. It's delicious. And then, so I was like, okay, you can see where this is going, right? Bernoisette, toasted sugar. Uh-huh. And then I saw another article that was like, yo, guys, you can toast flour, right? You basically pan cook the flour all right, mm-hmm. over like medium-high heat, and it gets this like toasty, nutty taste to it. And I was just like, okay, dude, what if I, do what all if I of made these a cake? Things. What if I do all of these things? So 
I make the bernoisette. It's fantastic. I toast the sugar. It's fantastic. I toast the flour, and sure enough, it's got this like really rich, toasty, nutty. It smells great. I make the cake. Here's what I don't realize. That mm-hmm. in heating the flour, I have done something that I did not anticipate to the chemical structure, possibly involving gluten. I'm not totally sure. But I make this cake, and when it's done baking, it's it's basically like a giant, uh, very dense, like, English muffin bread cake thing. Um, Is it... It's, did, it, did you, it's, like... Did you, like, desiccate the flour and then not put enough water in to account for that? I Maybe that was part of it. I did definitely, like, desiccate the flour. I added a little extra liquid. Maybe not enough. I don't know. It was a pretty liquidy batter when I, like, was was done with it. But I it was, like, a very bad pancake. Okay. Like, a thick, giant, baked pan. I don't know. It was really bad. It was incredibly bad. I was about, like, it, the flavor was okay, mm-hmm. but, like, it was not cake. Like, definitely it was not cake. Um, I was really having trouble figuring out what to do with it. Um, I ended up throwing a bunch of it away. Beth did have the suggestion. She's like, you should make bread pudding out of this. So I did make bread pudding out of it, and then I made a creme anglaise, and uh, that turned out. the it, Turning it into bread pudding actually really worked out because it was like a giant pancake bread pudding and then i made creme anglaise and creme anglaise is great on everything so I, dave um, i love that at this but it point, was <laughs> dave i love it was absolutely a disaster you not you've been doing you know we've been doing bun vulcan for a while uh and mine has been mostly bread yours has been largely um desserts um not entirely but largely and I feel like you at this point have a working knowledge of like eight different kinds of custard and frosting that I try to, <laughs> like, as you describe them, figure out what the difference between one and the other is. It was just like halfway through your description, I'm like, okay, this one's a frosting or right on, this one's a custard. <laughs> like, you're like, well, oh, it's a crème anglaise, which is like a crème but- pâtissier. I'm like, I'm sure they are because they're both custards. And that sounds great. I don't know what the difference is. And I pay oh, attention. Uh, real, yeah, crème anglaise is, um, it is a very thin custard that you use to like, it's like a sauce. It's like custard sauce, basically. It's very kind of you to assume that I'm going to be able to retain this information. Yeah, so crème pâtissier is like custard and then crème anglaise is like custard sauce it's like pourable you put it in a jug um the english love it i think that's probably why it's called creme anglaise i don't know makes sense anyways matt that's bun vulcan it took gosh a real long time what matt is our third star of the week dave speaking of things that took a real long time um it's a house update Dave, as you said earlier, mom and dad were in town uh, last week. We're like a, like a week and a half. Um, it was like they came up on yeah. a Thursday and left on a Sunday. Uh, and there was a week in between. 
And it's always great to have them here. They like they come they have been coming into town for extended periods specifically to help me with the house renovation because like Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, and you know, like I need a lot of help with the house renovation because as previously referenced, I don't know how to renovate a house. Um and they have done a lot of like house work throughout the years. Uh and dad is very you know, they they they're both really um just very good at it. Um yeah. You know, like they both have their strengths and I am willing to help them do it for me. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, like, I, I basically, my, I feel like my job when they are there is to just like, okay, you know what you're doing, but some of the things you need are in the basement and some of them are on the fourth floor. And so I am just going to, like, go up and down I'm the stairs. That's my job. For a long time. I yep. mean, that's not all I did, obviously. I did a lot of other stuff. But, like, it does kind of feel a little bit like I'm an assistant on the project of fixing my own house. Um, which, like, that is not a complaint. That is a uh, a compliment I, yeah. to their abilities to actually do this stuff. Um, and I'm getting better at it. Right. But, you know, they came up for a week and a half, and we got a ton of stuff done. Like, ceilings, not all, but, like, many of the ceilings have been painted. A bunch of ceiling fans have been installed. Um, like, the walls, which were previously full of holes, are now less full of holes there are still definitely holes all over and some of the walls some of the walls are all whole still um but many of the holes have at least started to be filled with like you know putty and spackle and stuff um we insulated the entire attic uh wow which was a lot uh we, we we received the delivery of i think i calculated it out to 1800 pounds of drywall and like drag Holy that all inside. Cats. Well, it, like each sheet of drywall is about fifty pounds, and I got thirty six yeah, sheets well, of drywall. No, uh... Um, and like we cut a bunch of it up, and we dragged some of it up to the ceiling. None of it's been installed yet. Um, but you know, like we have that all in place. Um, I'm sort of like halfway on the other side of. So- I think I said last time we did this. I'm like halfway on the other side of some of the uh, the permits getting signed off on. And what's really nice is that, like, when you walk into the house now, enough positive action has been taken that it's beginning to feel like, like, oh, I can see what this is going to look like. As opposed to just like, oh, I can see how you have removed everything that was what this house used right, to look like. Right. Now you've kind of, yeah, you're, yeah, that's a, that's a big hump to get over, right? Yeah. Like we dragged straight up, we dragged a thousand pounds of trash to the, to the curb. Um, just because there was a lot of trash in the house. Cause when you take out walls, uh, those walls are removed from Turns the, out. the frame, like the structure of the house, but they are not automatically removed from the house. Like, the, the parts that used to be wall, and, like, you know, the parts, like, the pipes that used to be the plumbing before the new plumbing was there, like, those just don't get deleted from house. Those are still part of, like, the general mass of everything that is included within the house. Uh, they're just no longer connected to anything or useful in any way. Uh, so we got rid of all that stuff. Um, it was just, I mean, it was a lot of work, but it was very, like, it was good work. And, like, it it does kind of feel like we have, uh, we've hit, 
I don't know if we quite hit uh, the tipping point, but we're like, I can see the tipping point from where we are, which is very encouraging. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. No, for sure. For sure. I think once you get, I think the thing that's really going to do it for you is when you have a functional bathroom. That's going to be huge. Honestly, the ceiling fans were big. That's going to be huge. Because they were like newly installed pieces of like house that I chose and purchased and we installed. And now there are like new functioning things that are in the house. And it's a to, specific thing and not yeah. just like a hunk of drywall or like a wall that would you would expect would be there anyways. You're like, right, no, right. I picked that fan. Here it is. It's in my house. No, it's dope, man. I picked two of one and one of the other. They are good ceiling fans. Uh, we also, I also, uh, we, we were talking about Ikea before. I went to Ikea with mom and dad on Sunday um, or Saturday. It was Saturday because they left on It was Sunday. Saturday, actually. Um, and so... We had been working all week. Uh, we were over at the house, like doing some, you know, fine tuning of some things. And uh, I recommended, like, you know, we've been going to Lowe's, we've been going to Home Depot. Like, I'm sick of looking at the bathroom vanities at both of those stores because I don't like any of them. And I just keep hoping that when mm-hmm. we go there, I'm going to, like, I'm finally going to not dislike one of them. And it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's like the opening your fridge phenomenon. Yeah. So, like, we go down to Ikea, and, you know, it's like a two-hour drive to get there. It's not it's not nothing. Um, but as soon as we walked in, I was, like, looking at other home goods other than the stuff I've been looking at for months. I was like, oh, yes, of course. Like, this is the vanity I want. This is the bathroom sink I want. Like, when you were down there with the twins two days later, I just, like, emailed you. He's like, hey, if you're already at Ikea... In the time between leaving Ikea and getting home, I decided which one of the sinks I wanted to buy. Could you just pick that up for me? Uh, and you did. It was a really funny, it was a really funny email. Cause I was like, I'm at Ikea. Because I just emailed their daily chain. And you were like, could you pick me up a kitchen sink? And I was like, that could be a joke. But it could also very reasonably be a genuine request. It was. It's a nice sink. You've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on your new sink, man. Thank you, thank you. Picked up the faucet for me as well. Greatly appreciated. Anyway, Dave, uh, what is our fourth Star of the Week? So, fourth Star of the Week, man, I'll make it fairly quick. I've been playing No Man's Sky. Oh, nice. Which, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, everybody's heard of it at this point. Uh, but here's yeah, what like I can say. PS4 when it first title. came out, <laughs> yeah, something, you know. But when it first came out, it was lauded. Everybody, I was I was super excited to play it. And then it launched, and I just kind of didn't get it. And then everybody was like, oh, turns out this game is trash. Yeah, it was not but, the game that was promised. Yeah, but the people who make it, whose name I can't remember all of a sudden, have just kind of like kept making it. And I can report, I know you were playing it a little bit a while ago, and I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but... It's a blast. Like, I am having so much fun playing this game. Uh, It's just infinite space Minecraft. I discovered... Dude, so I started out on this, like, Mars-like desert world. It's, like, awful. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's cool, right? I'm, like, finding stuff, but I'm, like, running around. I'm like, oh, this is rough. And then I found another planet, and it was, like, an acrid, you know, corrosive whatever... I I finally got a hyperdrive. I jumped to the next system over, and I found a paradise planet. Mm -hmm. 
And I land, and it's all, like, bioluminescent flora and fauna and, like, waves and rolling hills. And I I felt, like, genuine relief. I, it was like when you see the first buds of spring. Actually, you know what it was really like? Is when you find the oasis in Fallout New Vegas. Oh, yeah. And you've just been running around the desert for this whole time. And then like you go in this one spot and there's green trees and you're like, oh my gosh. Despite the fact that there are real green trees right outside my house. You know, I get caught up in the fiction of the game. Anyways, No Man's Sky. It's infinite space Minecraft. Huge recommend. Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, our fifth star of the week, and I will make this brief, is uh, it is another adventure in the Man About Town project. Uh, Dave, I've been going out about town. And I have made a realization. I've had a realization. Um, so last Monday was Memorial Day. A friend of mine was having a cookout. So I went over there. There was a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a long time. But also some people that, like, I didn't really know that well. They were just people who were also at the same cookout. Mm. And, yeah, what yeah. I've, and what I've realized, both in that instance and other times when I've been out and about, is that for the last, you know, 14 months or whatever... um. The only instance in which I was in proximity with, or in proximity to, and comfortable with uh, other people who weren't wearing masks, there were people who I was very close to. Like, it was basically family and, like, a few very close friends, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there is, like, a, you know, there's a, there's a closeness to those people. And what I've mm-hmm. realized in being out in the world around people who aren't wearing masks is that I am projecting upon those people like a phantom, like friendship level that does not exist. It's oh, only, like it's just you like, don't have oh, a mask. I don't have a mask. So, yeah, like I can see your nose and mouth so clearly. We went to college together. I guess, <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, and it's it's been very strange to try to like rein that back in to be like, oh no, don't like that's that's a stranger. You don't know that person. Like you might know, you <laughs> might be introduced to that person, and maybe you'd you know become friends. But like, you cannot come into the conversation with that energy. That is not what is expected of you. Uh, that's it. That that's really my uh, my main observation recently from about town. But Dave, speaking of observations, we have some about episode 42 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Uh, once again, it is called Lose Them, The Evil Pursuers, written by Junki Takagami. Original air date December 14th, 1997. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, oh, we're going to talk about it. Okay, welcome back. Episode 42, Lose Them, The Evil Pursuers. I didn't mention this, but you could have watched along, if you wanted to, on the DVDs or at ShoutFactoryTV.com. And I definitely recommend it. Oh, Matt. Yes. Still just, sorry, speaking of ShoutFactory.com, they have Mask Now. They have Mask Now. Mobile Armored Strike Command is on ShoutFactory. Dave, I feel like this is valuable content we could be hoarding until next week's stars. (laughs) Oh, good point. Well, I mean, that's all there is to say about it. Okay. Aside well, from that, this is, I guess, the last episode of the Super Sentai Brothers, because we're about to start a mask podcast. Yeah, probably. Uh, tune in next week for the adventures of Matt Tracker. 
and uh, okay, Dusty and Hands, Dave Tracker. I don't know. No, I mean Matt oh, Tracker. Geez, Matt Tracker know. was the name of the main character for Mask. I know, but your name is Matt, and if we're starting a podcast about, then I should be also Dave Tracker because you're Matt. I understand. I, I apologize for yeah. denying. So, anyway, so. <laughs> So we start off at uh, Morboshi High School, where someone, I don't know who, I'm trying to decide if I want it to be Miku or Chisato or Kenta, but somebody has made and cut out, like, cartoon paper figures drawings of the Nezarangers. Okay, here's what I think, Dave. Here's my, my dream, is that it was Koichiru. Because like they're not they're they're like cartoonishly drawn, sort of, um, you know they're sort of like wiggly lines. They're not the the work of a master draftsman. So I assume it's not Shun because Shun would have done it up in CGI. And I was going to say, the, uh, precisely. That's the only thing we can know for sure is that it's not him. But Kuichiru is the one who is dedicated to like using this villain's board to like demonstrate who is No, still it active. does definitely now that you say it it does definitely make sense that it's Kuichiru. Yeah, and like he's not <laughs> done great it, at drawing, so but he's better. so dedicated to having like charts and graphs. So he um and then there's big red X's through um Nezzy Pink and Nezzy Blue. Uh, but Kuichiru's like these are tough opponents and um He's sort of, like, monologuing about it, and Shun is, like, I guess trying to steal Kenta's noodles. I do have, uh, this is a, this is just a, this is not even, like, an, a kid update or whatever, um, but my children do refer to noodles as nudes. Okay, hilarious. But it just makes for, yeah, it just makes for a lot of really funny conversation because they sometimes want hot nudes and sometimes they want cold nudes and uh, it's just endlessly hilarious. I, I was recently Anyways, talking with someone, Dave, who until he was in college did not realize that ramen noodles were called ramen noodles because at some point as a child it had locked into his name that they were called oodles of noodles because that was like a brand of ramen in the 90s. And so when he went to college, oh, someone, so he was, someone just like, was like, oh, man, oh, I love yeah, like, hey, do you want some ramen noodles? He's like, I don't know what that is. And then they handed it to him. He's like, oh, noodles of noodles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely did the same thing uh, when we, I remember we went to Gettysburg as a family. We went to a restaurant and there were, the forks had three tines instead of four. And our dad told us that those were called threeks. And I so just. One of the all, like, dad was not much one. For um, uh, subtle humor, like lying to kids to make a joke. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, that is that is an all time fantastic. Uh, anyway, joke. I believed I am him. Desperately for, hoping to run into a three. I I believed him for years until it came up in conversation in college. I was like, oh, those are called threeks. And somebody I'm looked just, at me. I, I'm like, oh no, they're not. Never mind. Like you don't even have to say it. I know what happened. <laughs> I'm desperately hoping to run into a threek at some point in my life um, with my children. Anyways, so uh, Kuichu is just, he's very frustrated because he's having like a very intense moment because he's like, this is really bad. Uh, he's like, we're doing a good job, but like the Nezer Rangers are just getting more intense. Everybody's slacking off like, where is everybody? And he, the, the other guys mentioned, they're like, well, Miku is Christmas shopping. And Kuichu is like, what? Christmas shopping. 
Ko hates the idea of her being Christmas shopping. We cut to Miku, who is just out and about, like, walking through... I think it's raining, and she's, like, developing a cold. I think, uh, she, I think it's just cold. Um, she sneezes. But she's wondering... And she's like, oh, I've sneezed. This must mean that Shun is talking about me. Now, here's the thing. Or she very much hopes that this is the case. Yeah, she says, like, I wonder if this means that Shun is talking about me. Here's the thing. There's no reason for her to assume that. I assume that's a uh, like a superstition uh, that I'm just not familiar with. However, at that very moment, Shun was talking about her because he was telling Koichiru that she was say, that Christmas shopping. That is absolutely true. Uh, now, she is primarily out Christmas shopping because she is trying to figure out what she can get for Shun. What can she get for Shun? I believe she does use the phrase that will capture his heart. Uh, in case we've kind of forgotten about that subplot line. We go back to the high school, and Kuchu says, Curse you, Miku! Which seems very extreme. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for, no, he, he, he goes up to 11 to, uh, pretty quick on this. Yeah. And he's like, the Nezzer Rangers are getting stronger. Um, Kenta, there's a weird moment where Kenta, like, tries to wipe... Well, I guess he doesn't try. He succeeds. He wipes off some, like, earwax on Shun, which Shun doesn't notice. Just a very odd thing to have put in the episode. But they look at each other. They're like, all right, well, this is getting very boring and we have other things to be doing. So, like, let's just kind of try to quietly leave while he's monologuing. Well, also, uh, they almost credit, get out the door, of like, course. Like, Koichiru is upset because Chisato and Miko weren't there. And so he's going into this huge lecture, but he's lecturing Kenta and Shun, who are there. And so they're like, why are we getting yelled at for this? We showed up. There's no reason for us to sit around and listen to him be mad. Like, we did what he wanted to, so now we're going to leave. And I guess he'll be mad about that later, but we won't be here to listen to it. <laughs> we flash from there to the Nezere dimension. Hinalar is, I wouldn't say he's freaking out, but he is very confused. And I dig this because this is a... I almost want to say a unique element of Dr. Hanilar's. Or maybe it's not unique, but we haven't quite seen anything like it since maybe, uh, like, Die Ranger. Where Dr. Hanilar is, obviously he's a villain, but he is primarily, like, a cerebral villain, right? Yes. Like, he's got Ugande and Shibalina who are, like, out there mixing it up. He is... Like, he is a plotter and a thinker and an inventor and stuff. And so he's not raging out like we would have seen from, uh, you know, Baron Mechanis or whatever that dude's name, Emperor Bacchus Wrath, or... or Baron Mechanis does like sound Radigan. cool, though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, um, you guys can have that one for free. Um, or even, like, you know... Um, uh, like Radigat or something, but he's just, he's like, I don't get it. Like, right, you can tell he, that he's very much approaching this as like a, like a science problem. Right. And he's like, listen, he's not saying all of this, but this is, I think what he's trying to get across is like, I am very smart. I created the Nezu Rangers and I know that I'm better at creating costumed superheroes than Dr. Kubota is. Like, mine are better. They're stronger. Not least They're of more which. dedicated. They are, like, under my complete thrall. Like, 
I taught, like, you know, I taught Dr. Kubota all he knows about building super suits. Yeah, or at least, like, I know more about like, them. Like, he like, worked on the Mega Ranger suits. Yeah, he's like, like, everything that I'm doing, like, I'm clever and a good inventor, and I have this plan, and the plan is perfect, but for some reason it's not working, and I can't figure out why it's not working, and it's infuriating. Now, the reason it's not working is because, like, you know, the power of friendship or whatever, right? Like, it's because, like, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the Mega Rangers are heroes. No, but I dig it because it's this very quick moment. But they have, they've done enough with Dr. Hinalar that that you kind of, that you if you kind of, like, you get all of this stuff from it. Um, I really like Dr. Hinalar as a villain. I think at the end of the year, he's going to, he's going to end up being very high on the list for me. Mm-hmm. So, um... So the remaining days of Rangers are like, listen, we get it. We know we've been losing, but it's cool, or at least it will be cool, because while we've been fighting, we have been getting data on the Rangers. We've Big recorded data. their voice prints. Yeah, we've recorded their voice prints. We have like we've basically gotten all their all their biometric information. So even yeah. though we don't know what they look like, we absolutely are going to be able to figure out who they are. Yeah, like, we don't need to know what their faces look like. If we see them move and we hear them talk, we will be able to know who they are and strike. And Dr. Kenilar is like, hey, great, you know, you came up with your own plan, you're showing some initiative, like, you know, you are my big, like, having you guys win is my big plan, and it seems like you guys are making some moves, so go for it. Are working on it, so... Great job. Uh, they teleport down to Earth, and they unhension because apparently these dudes have human forms. These dudes have very stylish, I... attractive human forms. I did not actually get the vibe that this was them turning into their human form. Like, I got the sense that this was them... Like using a human disguise, that is very probably the case. Um, but like, they just have great outfits, and I, yeah, I did not take notes cool. exactly on like what those outfits are. So I'm not going to like just sit here and describe clothes to you. But like, if you watch the episode, you'll know what they I'm talking just, about. They're dressed in all black. They look very cool. Yeah, they dress they in all cool black and they look evil very and cool. great. Yeah, um, the dude who plays Nezzy Black looked so familiar for a few minutes. I actually went back and checked out the episode to see if he had done, like, anything else in Sentai. And he, he was in, like, Metal Hero, but not in any Super Sentai. So, like, okay. I don't know him from anything. But I was just like, dang, that dude looked familiar. Um, that's a non-point. It was just, like, a very weird moment for me. Anyways, so they're just kind of looking... They're, like, looking around. We get one bit where um, Nezu Red hears Chisato, who is on the phone with Kuchiru talking about a Christmas party. And he, of course, is like, no way are we doing a Christmas party. So Nezu Yellow, like, runs over and grabs another girl who, like, matches the bio, like, the height, weight, body type, whatever data. But it's not Chisato, who has, like, left around the corner at this point. Mm-hmm. But Chisato sees But Chisato's like... Yeah, and she's like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but, like, I pretty much know what's going on here. Yeah. So, we cut back to the school. Kuichiru, who hates parties, is lecturing 
Kenta and Shun again. Kenta and Shun are about to sneak out this time. But as they do, Chizato shows up and she's like, hey, uh, I just had a very bad experience. Uh, three people dressed all in black who are pretty clearly the Nezu Rangers grabbed somebody who like, they thought was me. definitely the Nezu Rangers. <laughs> so, like, we need to be super careful because they have, like, honed in on our voices. And, like, she talks to Dr. Kubota and Kubota's like, okay, you all need to sit tight. Like, don't go out. You don't want to be discovered. You don't want them to find out your identity. It's identities. too dangerous. Um, but Miku's not there. Like, Miku is still out in the world. And so, like, she is still very much in danger. Yes. So they're like, we got to find Miku. And Kubota's like, no, like, sit tight. Like, we can't have you leave. And there's, like, this little back and forth. But Kuichu has the idea. He's like, oh, I know what we'll do. She still has her beeper. Right. So we can't use the digitizers because we know that they've been able to track those transmissions before, but they're not just tracking yes. her beeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we should say that a beeper is a piece of technology. <laughs> it's like a phone, but it can only receive... It's like a phone if a phone couldn't make phone calls, but it could text, but it could only receive text messages. It could receive texts. Yeah. I literally... I don't know how you... Did you just use the keypad to, like, send a message to a beeper? I literally have no idea. You know, beepers are in that weird window where, like, I was too... Like, I was... I'm old enough that I remember them, but I'm too young to have ever had them. Like, other people I knew my age did have beepers, but, like, I I was not a sort of person who, like, had personal technology at the time. Right. Well, because you're too young the... slash not a physician because doctors right. still use them. Right. I am not a surgeon Anyways, or a drug so... dealer, so I didn't have a beeper. <laughs> so Miku calls in. Like, she gets the thing. She calls back to the DRC. Uh, and Kuchu answers the phone. And he's like, don't speak. I know, I what, know you're what you're thinking. thinking. thank you um got that joke in on the lag so (laughs) dang that album is so good i don't like i don't like no doubt and i don't like almost literally anything else gwen stefani has ever done but that album is an absolute banger uh tragic Um, kingdom i think is and, and i'm using a fairly specific definition on this but i think tragic kingdom is a perfect album which is that, like, it is doing exactly what it wants to do, and every track is as good as every other track. Yeah, it just and, like, is, at a high level. really is killer. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very good album. Anyways, so they kind of, like, they just give me the lowdown. They're like, listen, you can't talk, you can't make any noise, they'll find you. Like, just get back to base, don't use a digitizer, get back to base as soon as you can. Miku looks around, sees a lot of people dressed all in black, gets very nervous. There's a couple of good little comedy bits here, um, which is kind of a fun interstitial where she keeps doing things where you would expect her to have to talk and then she doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like she bumps into kiss. someone and like yells at her for bumping into him. And expects an apology, but she just like winks and kisses him on the cheek and walks away instead. 
and somebody like picks up something that she had dropped and hands it to her and she just like grabs it and scurries away. Yeah, now I gotta say, the dude who was like, hey, you bumped into me, apologize, is definitely a grown man. And I oh, gotta yeah. say, first of all, first of all, if a high school girl bumped into me, I would not, t- and didn't apologize, I would not then turn around and, like, yell at her about it. Oh, yeah, that but guy's trash. If, <laughs> yeah, that guy's very trash. But if for some reason I did, and then that high school girl came over and gave me a kiss, uh... This dude is extra trash because he gets all like, yeah, he gets all lovey-dovey. And uh, my dude, that is not a situation where you should be lovey-dovey. That's extraordinarily uncomfortable. No, that dude went from trash to, like, dumpster fire uh, in a very short amount of time. Yeah, it's a real bad bad cameo for that dude who was excited to get to be on Super Sentai. (laughs) Anyways... So they're like, we're back to the research club. They're like, oh, we can ask Yusuku for help because he, like, they already knew who he is. So that's like a spent card. We can we can employ that again. Right. They saw his face. But they're like, ago. we still don't. Yeah. But they're like, we still don't know where Miku is. Kuichi realizes he's like, wait a minute. I heard the Ferris wheel when I was on the phone with her. So wherever she is, she can't be. She at least can't be like too far from like the fun park. So, cut to the commercial break, come back. Miku, still keeping silent, having difficulty, because, of course, earlier, uh, she, we found out that she had a cold. And so she sneezes at some point, and that is like a, it, it's a near miss. They are able to, like, use the sneeze to, like, you like, track her voice engrams. Uh, which is a very sophisticated version of technology. Uh, anyway, so Miku's standing on yeah, the street corner. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And she's looking across the street, and she sees, uh, like, two friends on this corner talking. One of them has a baby. That baby is in a stroller. If you've ever seen a baby in a stroller in an episode of Super Sentai, you know what's about to happen, because that baby stroller is going to start rolling directly into danger. Yeah, which is, of course, precisely what happens. Miku, she is torn about what to do. She finally is like, I obviously, I can't let this literal baby die. She calls out, they grab the baby, Nezared immediately picks up on it and is like... Now, she runs away, so they heard the voice, so she they know that she's around, but they didn't see who made the noise, and so they don't want to just grab people at random, which is weird, actually, because... Earlier in the season, they had no compunctions about just going around town grabbing people at random, and they're the yeah, fact it was that really gun- weird. Like the fact that they're gun shy about that in this episode, like it may, if it wasn't for that, there'd be no tension to the episode, right? Like that is the tension of this episode, and they they balance it well, but they never really explain why they care. Yeah, and it, it is very odd. It's like, isn't your whole goal to, like, murder all of humanity? Like, why does this possibly matter? But I guess they, they feel like it. Maybe, like, the only, only, only thing I can think of is that maybe these are their sort of, like, human-ish forms, and they are trying to maintain, like, a degree of secrecy about it so that they can, like, continue to... 
secretly appear as human. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay, I'll, I'll accept that. So, I'll accept that. So um, they're like, we know she's close, just as they're about, and they actually do find her. And they're trying to get her to say something, and right before it kind of comes to a head, and weirdly, they don't just like poke her and see if she says something. They're really trying to like exert social pressure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like one of them tries to hand me. her a handkerchief. Like, I believe that you dropped this. Is this yours? And she just like stares at them like, for a while, and then the other two come around the corner, like yeah. menacing her about this handkerchief Should, and whether or not it is. Shouldn't hers. you say thank you? It's very weird. Uh, anyways, Yusuku kind of comes around the corner, dressed up as Santa, and he's like doing a little dance and like handing out flyers for something. And there's a very weird little moment, which is he knows that it's them, and yes. they know that it's him. But they don't and, know that and he, he knows yeah, yeah, that it's he them. He knows that they know that it's him, but they don't know that he knows that they know that it's him. Yes, and so he does not acknowledge them. So they hear, he like disappears around the corner. They hear Miku say something to him. Of course, she's still standing there, so it's not her. They give chase and basically, Yuzugu has just strapped a stereo to the back of his bike and is just driving around playing a recording that they had of Miku's voice from something else. Yeah. It's, so they, and this is this is not the first time they have fallen for a similar ruse. It's like they're very powerful and they have good plans, but they lack common sense. Like they have a lot of like analytical processing power but they're not able to be like oh clearly somebody is messing with us yeah <laughs> okay so um they like they follow it to a deserted place the rangers show up yeah they have they, they have all reconvened um, they have transformed so that there's never been a confirmation yeah. that miku was the pink ranger isn't right. Uh, Shun takes a moment to hit on Neza Yellow, which is uh, pretty legit because she looks very good in her outfit. She's a pretty lady. It's a good outfit. And then there's some very good fighting. It's a good fight scene. One of the things that I thought was very cool about this fight scene is that the Neza Rangers all have combat styles that are not identical to their Ranger counterparts, but are very, very close. And so you do get some cool, like, sword versus sword, crescent staff versus crescent staff sort of sort of combat um, choreography. And that's very yeah. well done. The, the other thing I really then like they... about this fight is that, like, they're very clear about the fact that the Nezi Rangers are more powerful than the Mega Rangers. But there are, at this point, six Mega Rangers and three Nezi Rangers. So even though individually the Nezi Rangers are stronger... Like, their their force has been winnowed down to the point where the Mega Rangers, with their teamwork and coordination, are able to overcome the Nezu Rangers. Yeah, it's um, it's really, really well done. They drop a move that they call Hyper-Digital Formation, which is just um, where three Rangers jump over three other Rangers and then, like, kind of get a push boost and then hit the Nezu Rangers. I have no idea why you would call that move hyper-digital formation, but uh, but they do. Well, 
It's a but hyper they do because they're Mega Rangers and everything. I said, yeah, the tech it, name. It, it's a hyper formation, and they are digital heroes. So there you go. There you go. So basically, the Nezer Rangers go down. We flash quickly to the uh, Nezeray dimension, and Javius is having a very, very bad day. Because remember, of course, the Nezer Rangers draw their power from Javius. And Hindalar says, all right, man, it's like it's time to pull out all the stops. I'm really, really sick of this. So he sort of like super activates the Nezer Rangers, and they get up, and they turn into their monster forms, which all look incredibly cool. Oh, so yeah. Yellow turns into Nezi Sophia, which I don't know why they chose that name for her, because she's like a weird, like, hornet bug spider monster. Yeah, sort of. And then Nezi Black becomes Nezi Vulgar, and he is a rad, like, earth elemental. Um, it's an amazing costume. Yeah, he's made out and of mean then, rocks. It's very good. Oh, dude, it's so cool. And then uh, Neza Red becomes Neza Phantom, and he is like a fiery-themed, like a fiery man-themed monster. Um, yeah. Now, at this point, they grow, and Kenta summons the Voyager machines. And I pause the episode to see how much time is left in the episode. And Dave and listeners, uh, we are too far from the end of the episode for Mega Voyager to be effective. Like, if you call Mega Voyager and there are four minutes left in the episode, then Mega Voyager is going to destroy things very quickly. If you call Mega Voyager and there are seven minutes left in the episode, Mega Voyager is about to have a bad day. That's it. Extremely bad day. So, uh, Nezzy... I'm just going to call them Nezzy by their colors still... Neza Yellow and Neza Red just grab Mega Voyager, and Black just starts, like, wailing on him, which is awesome. Uh, they get Delta Mega and... Um, uh, Mega Winger. It's I can never remember. Winger, Winger, Spartan. Mega Winger. Winger. Voyager, whatever Yusuke's thing is. Mega Winger, thank you. They get in the mix. It's a... Um, it's a pretty good fight for for a right. minute. But again, that minute is still about six minutes from the end of the episode, which is not great for our heroes. Because uh, there is time for it to go bad, and it does. Because what happens is that a Nezere energy warp portal opens. And... Oh, th- there's a bit where like all the, like, the heroic robots, like do their big, cool moves, and they knock over Nezzy's red, yellow, and black. But then they just get back up. This warp portal opens, and they just grab Mega Voyager and start dragging it into this portal. Dr. Kubota says, like, listen, that is about to be captured. You need to be concerned about your life and not, like, maintaining the integrity of this robot. Like, it's okay. Evacuate. We can regroup. Whatever. And that's fine with everybody. Except it is not fine with Kenta because Kenta has a unhealthy emotional relationship with these giant robots. Yeah, he's like, no, we can't. Like, we can't abandon Mega Voyager. And everyone's like, no, we do definitely need to. And he's like, no, but we can't. And then uh, Koichi was like, Kenta, I totally get it. And if that's how you feel, we're all with you. 
And then Gend is like, yes. And then he turns away and Kuchu just like nerve chops him in the back of the head, <laughs> knocks him out and drags everybody out of Mega Voyager. I genuinely thought we were gearing up for like a heroic return and like something was going to happen. Yeah, but my, my notes say Kenta can't abandon Mega Voyager, but Ko backs him up. Oh, he didn't. Defeat. And that's the end of my notes for this episode. Yeah, that is. Um, that is, uh, that is, in fact, the end of the episode. Well, because this is a big old cliffhanger. And I think we're, we're kind of getting into the territory where more of these episodes are, are, are going to be big cliffhangers than not, I would say. Yeah. Now, weirdly, again, this feels like this could be the second to last episode of Mega Ranger. But this is episode 42, and there are 51 episodes of Mega Ranger. So, like, it's going to keep going for a while. But this definitely feels like a, like a fake-out, like, mini-climax. And it's good. It's very good. But it is over. And that is going to do it for another episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Of course, normally, we would uh, figure out where the monster that we, they fought this week lands in the Creature Royale. But uh, none of the monsters they fight this week died. Uh, in fact, all of the monsters they fight this week won, which is not great for them. I mean, it's yeah, great for the monsters. I was going to say, not great don't for see the Mega a whole, whole lot. <laughs> uh, three monsters, all victorious. Great day for the Messeray. Uh, and a great day for you, the listener, who got to listen to this. Another great episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you'd like to rate and review on there or subscribe, my understanding is that that is something that helps new people find the show. And I would like it if new people found the show. It's a good show. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, to find all of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Wow, that lag has really gotten pretty big. <laughs>